Hi everyone, welcome to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. It is hard to believe, but we are officially in the last week of June and summer has officially begun. About the only thing that has remained constant these last few months are the seasons rolling from one to another. 2020 has been a year that can be described as anything but normal. People made plans at the beginning of the year to go on vacation, visit family, and get married, yet most of these plans were drastically altered or canceled altogether. As we slowly began to make our way out and into a more normal routine, we heard the sad news of the death of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers. This has led to protests and outcries for justice across the country. To be honest, I don't watch the news often, mainly because my heart is so heavy after seeing what is going on, but I have read many of my friends' and their friends' opinions on social media. I have also seen a number of verses appear on my social media feed recently, but Micah 6.8 is the one that has probably been posted and quoted often, which says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. In the midst of this civil unrest, believers are trying to find out how, as Christians, we should be handling this situation, how we should conduct ourselves. I believe this verse is a powerful one, as it seems to lay out a simple roadmap for the believer, a a three-point summary, if you will, on how we are to live. Today, I would like to unpack this verse and talk about it with you. Let's begin at the beginning, shall we? Like Julie Andrews said, it's a very good place to start. I would like to draw your attention to the fact that the three things mentioned are a requirement. What doth the Lord require of thee? That means they are not a suggestion or merely a helpful tip. They are mandatory. What does the word require actually mean? In basic terms, it is a verb that implies a need or to have need of. But this word can also mean to ask. So the Lord has a need for us to do these three things. He is asking us to do these things. What does the Lord need us to do? What does he require of us? What is he asking us to do but to do justly? Love mercy. Walk humbly. I also want to point out the little word, but. Never underestimate a small word. Sometimes they have the biggest meanings. The little word carries a great weight in this verse. What doth the Lord require of thee, but? Or simply put, this. I need you to do just this. That's all. In essence, this verse tells us that the Lord needs us to do these things. He's asking us to do these three things because they can have a big impact in our society. Each of the following terms, justly, mercy, and humbly, are all paired with another word. I want to pick apart these pairings so that we can better understand how they are to be utilized in our daily life. First, do justly. In order for us to activate justice, we have to do. Intention without action results in nothing. We all can have good intentions, but if we do nothing, what will happen? Absolutely nothing. Action must be paired with intention to produce a change in the world around us. The word justly means according to what is morally right or fair. We are to do what is morally right or fair. And how do we do this? By studying and reading the Word of God. This is how we are to live our life. 
by the principles laid out by God. It is they that will guide our actions and lead us in the way we are to go. When we do justly, we live a life inside of the law, meaning we don't lie, cheat, take advantage of, or base our decisions on what others do, but according to the word of God. This is what he requires of us, to do justly, to do what is morally right and fair, and that includes taking action when necessary to speak out against a wrong, such as abortion or civil injustice. We should never stand by and let a wrong be done when we could have said something about it. We don't know, but our courage to take a stand may encourage others to do the same. And I want to encourage each of you to seek the Lord, to stay close to Him, and allow Him to use you wherever you are, to sow seeds of light. Maybe that is speaking up in your college classroom when a teacher is not doing the right thing. That's what happened to me. I remember in college, I was taking a Christian course. I thought it would be interesting to learn about how to handle certain situations in a Christian fashion. That was the purpose of the course. But unfortunately, the professor chose to spend two weeks tearing down the Bible's credibility. And as the weeks continued to go by, I grew more and more upset because I couldn't understand how a Christian college would allow this to take place. It would have made more sense had it been a secular college, but it wasn't. They claimed to be a Christian university. I decided to voice my concerns and I took it to the highest level I could. I don't know if I made a difference, but I had to do justly. I had to take action against something that I believed was morally wrong. I pray that we all have the courage and wisdom to know when to speak about things that are wrong. To do justly is only the first aspect of this threefold list of needs. Love mercy follows next, but what does it mean to love mercy? Well, love has many meanings, but in this context, I don't believe it's referring to a romantic love. There is another definition of love, and it is to have a great interest and pleasure in something. Now hold that thought. The word mercy carries the idea of kindness, and the dictionary defines it as a compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. This sheds some new light on what the Lord is asking of us. We are to have a great interest and pleasure in showing kindness to others, of having compassion or forgiveness towards someone whom we could punish instead. I don't know about you, but that makes me stop and think deeply. What a tremendous thought. How often has God shown us great kindness and he delighted in doing it. He didn't just do it. He enjoyed it. He took pleasure in it. How often has he extended mercy to us instead of giving us what we deserved? He who had the power to punish us for the wrongs we have done against him, yet he extended mercy to us instead, sometimes when we didn't even ask for it. How great a God is he? And this is what he needs us to do. This is what he asks of us. We are instructed not only to be merciful, but to love mercy, to love extending compassion and forgiveness to others. We are to take pleasure in it. After all, we were given the same. When we do something like this to those who are expecting a harsh reprimand, we can make the biggest impact. Mercy is an essential part of our life. It is what sets us apart from the world. They are out to get what is theirs, to seek revenge and inflict pain and misery on others. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. That's what they'll say. There are many who even delight in adding sorrow to someone's life. This 
should not be us. We should be known as a people who love to be kind, who look for opportunities to show kindness to others and are quick to show mercy and offer forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts we can give to another person as well as ourselves. It represents the choice to let go of the wrong someone did to you, of the harsh words spoken by a friend or a spouse, the betrayal by a person you thought cared about you. When we choose to forgive someone else, we are saying we no longer want to be a prisoner of our own bitterness. To forgive is one of the hardest things you can do, but it is also the most rewarding. To not forgive only hinders you from moving forward. It will hold you in the past and prevent you from attaining your full future. Mercy also works with doing justly. It tempers justice. God's judgment is often softened by mercy, and this is critical in judgment. James 2.13 says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. Now, what about the other part, to have pleasure in doing kindness? Is our life characterized by looking around for opportunities to help others to show kindness? Sad to say, but most of our lives are characterized by loving to do a kindness to ourselves. Now, I have nothing against caring for your family. That is important. That is your calling. Or even to have a spa day for yourself. That's important. Self-care is a good thing. But if that is all we ever do, then something is wrong. How can we claim to be followers of Christ if we don't love others? If we are not actively looking for ways to help someone? Remember, it is action not passivity. It is an action. We are to be actively loving people to care about others. Now, I know I have said this before, but I will say it again. To be kind means to look beyond yourself, to be aware of those around you. Kindness does not have to be a big thing. I came across an old children's book recently about kindness, and it said, kindness is picking an apple your friend can't reach or complimenting them on their dress. This is kindness at the most basic level. It is taking time to notice another's need and doing our best to meet it when we can. How many needs go unmet in our churches because we are too busy to serve, too busy to care about the little things. I don't mean to sound harsh or step on anyone's toes. I am just trying to make us think. We are called to be different. But if we act like the world busy with taking care of ourselves, how can we claim to be any different? Our churches should have a reputation in the community so that when someone mentions they attend a certain church, others will say, oh yeah, I've heard about them. They are kind, caring people, both in their community and with their church members. They really care about each other. To love mercy, to take pleasure in showing kindness and offering forgiveness should be an attribute of every believer. We should be known as someone who is not bitter or vengeful, but kind and caring, delighting to help others. People who are willing to sacrifice their own time, talents, and money to ensure someone else's needs are taken care of. It is easy to give maybe a little bit of money, but it takes more to give of your time. Is not that the example Christ gave to us? Did he not leave all he had to come to earth to care for his creation? Christ's mission on earth ended at the cross. It did not begin there. He lived on earth for 33 years and spent his time doing good. How can we do any different? God asks us and needs us to do this because it is how we make a difference. 
May our life be characterized by mercy. May our children see us offer mercy to others and loving to show kindness to another, to be watchful of how we can be doing good to others, because that is the only way they learn. They learn by observation. This is how they learn to extend mercy to others and in so doing make a difference for Christ. Now, the last item on the list is to walk humbly. What does it mean to walk? This is again an action. In fact, all of these words have been action. We are to do justly, love, mercy. Now we are to walk humbly. To walk with someone is to keep company with them, to learn of them. When you walk with someone, you observe their behavior. You witness their actions and interactions with others. The people you spend time with will eventually influence your behavior, which is why we are cautioned to pick our companions so carefully. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs 13 verse 20. God invites us to walk with him. Enoch was a man who took him up on that invitation. He walked with God. And God tells us to learn of him and his ways are the ways of the humble. The word humbly has the idea of lowly and our Jesus was the perfect example. He was meek and lowly of heart. He who had every right to demand respect was willing to wash the feet of his disciples. How often are we doing this? I'm afraid we often prefer to go our own way, to go the way of pride, to walk proudly with ourselves instead of humbly with our God. This is one of our greatest downfalls because that is the way of pride, falling. How much could we avoid if we set aside our pride, understood that we have no wisdom of our own, and turned a teachable heart to the Lord because humility equals teachability. Instead, we think we can do it ourselves, that we don't need anyone's assistance, but that is not what God requires of us. This is not what he asks of us. He needs us to walk humbly with him because that is the only way we will learn to act as we should. Humility accomplishes more than pride ever could. Christ came to save the lost through humility. He did not stand at every market corner and tell everyone who he was. Instead, he served his creation with humility, quietly healing their sick, raising the dead, and teaching the truth of his word. This is how he made the greatest impact, how he influenced so many to follow. He needs us to walk humbly with him so that we too may have the greatest chance of reaching the lost. This is also a needful attribute among the believers themselves interacting with each other. Pride centers around us and our accomplishments, while humility looks around to see who is in need of help, who is in need of encouragement, and who is in need of a kind word. Humility is all about others, while pride focuses on our needs and demands its rights. What would happen if we set aside all we think we know, all the talent we think we possess, and took a good look around? Who would God lay on our hearts to help? What ways is he speaking to you to help? And I don't mean a ministry within the church. This is where it links back to loving mercy, to love doing a kindness or offering compassion. Often, we think of ministry as a church opportunity, but it is not. It is anything done to another. That's ministry. One of my favorite verses is Matthew twenty-five forty, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. This is what service 
true Christian service boils down to helping someone in need, whether that is taking some cases of bottled water to a homeless shelter, taking time to visit a lonely widow, or helping a single mom with her car. By walking humbly with our God, we will be less full of ourselves and more filled with the Spirit, which means we will be able to see more of what He wants us to see. This is why He asks us and needs us to walk humbly. He cannot be the master if we are full of pride. Pride says we don't need Him. Humility says we cannot do it without Him. It is the humble who accomplish the most for Christ and leave the greatest impression. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. These three simple actions have the power to make the greatest impact in our world. Yes, our world seems to be completely turned upside down, but what would happen if every believer applied these principles in their life so that it permeated their actions? And I'm talking to myself. All three of these items work together. They are not independent of each other. It is similar to a prescription. Just the right amount mixed together creates the perfect healing tonic. And our world is in desperate need of a tonic. Wouldn't you agree? Man tries to make life complicated, especially the Christian life. We like to live according to a list of rules, thinking that if we can do this, we are a good person. But God did not give us a long list. He simply requires these three things. And if you want to narrow it down even more, he simply said, love me. Love is at the core of who we are because we are made in the image of God. And if we love something, it tends to guide our actions. Think about it. Those who love the Lord will do justly. They will live according to his word. When we love him, we will love mercy. We will delight to show kindness to others, to offer compassion and forgiveness freely. When we love him, we will walk humbly with him and forsake pride. Are you tired of seeing the sad events on the news? Weary of hearing about another life lost unjustly? Want to see a change take place in our country? Then perhaps it is time to stop looking around and look within. I have no control over what others do. They have a free will of their own, but I have the power to change me. And what would happen if I did? Who could I influence when I do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly? What could I accomplish for God? What could you do? And with that question, I would like to end today's episode. I want to emphasize again that my intention with this episode is not to accuse or hurt anyone, but I do want to make us think, to realize that we will do nothing for Christ until we live as he did and pursue his ways. My desire was for this to be a help to you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. We make the greatest impact through living the word of God. And that requires action. When we live in his presence, others can see him. I don't want to waste my life living for me in the here and now. I want to spend it investing in eternity. I would like to end today's episode by reading a poem by C.T. Studd entitled, Only One Life, Twill Soon Be Passed. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last, only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow thy word to keep, faithful and true whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life, only one life will soon be past only what's done for christ will last oh let my love with fervor burn and from the world now let me turn living for thee and thee alone bringing thee pleasure on thy throne only one life twill soon be past only what's done for christ will last only one life yes only one now let me say thy will be done and when at last i'll hear the call i know i'll say twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. Mm -hmm.